Totally. Scott, thank you for your communion message. I think the last two weeks uh, have been brilliant and I, I love the picture of the toothpaste. I'm also glad that it's not all over the floor. Thank you. <laughs> Where's Anuhi's here somewhere, wherever she might be. Last week's communion message was, was sensational. Was, it was just brilliant. There was depth and revelation. And I don't know whether Pastor Corey had the opportunity to share with you, but certainly felt while praying for you that you have a gift of teaching. And I think we as a church need to uh, allow that to flourish and grow because there was just some beautiful revelation in what you taught. Seriously, it was just wonderful. So thank you. This house is so blessed with wonderful men and women of God who, who hear his voice, yeah? Um, and uh, allow him to speak can be tough sometimes. You know, because uh, I think it was put on the weekend, I was away on the weekend in a conference and uh, often, you, I hear it a lot anyway, that people find it hard to hear God. But it's, it really is quite simple. It's just a matter of stopping. And it'll come across and it'll feel like it's your own thought, your own idea. And the example that, was, that I heard on the weekend was a lovely example but have you ever had the urge to call someone or drop in or cook them something or send them a text message and you do that and just after you've done that, you get a response saying, that was just perfect timing. You have no idea how I needed that. Thank you for your visit. Thank you for your text. Thank you for your call. And you come away feeling really pleased with yourself that you did that, you know, because you had the thought, let me challenge you the God in you was speaking to you. <laughs> it's that easy. And it just comes across sometimes, feeling like it's your own thought. We've got a really good God that wants to speak to us all the time. Amen? Don't be quiet. I've just come back from a conference. I, I'm, um, I'm pretty stoked at the moment. I'm pretty excited about God and all that God wants to do, can do, is doing, how much he loves us, loves you. Um, just where we're at across the board, you know. So if you're sitting there looking miserable, I will today make a concerted effort to use you as an example while I'm speaking. <laughs> so you may want to fake it till you make it and put a smile on your face, try a couple of amens, you know. Because at the end of the day, regardless of how you feel, how terrible you feel, no matter how shocking your week has been, here comes the paradox, as Ross would say. God is still good. Always good. And can a good father give you a bad thing? No. So what you're going through, what you're feeling, is not from Father God. So in amongst what you're going through, in your heart, you need to resolve with yourself that he's still a good, good God. I still have something to praise. I still have something to give him glory for regardless of how I feel. That's the love and the faith that changes the world. Yeah? That in amongst all of that, we can say, you know what? Man, I've been so busy working, trying to pay that bill that I actually just missed when I was walking down the road that lovely flower that God made. Something as simple and as subtle as that. As Ross said to me recently, so I'll pick on him again, I'm in one of those moods today. That even when you're in a desert, 
in amongst all the dryness, if you stop for a moment and just stop and look, you will see the beauty and wonder of God all around you. Yeah? That's the God that we serve. So, who enjoyed last week, by the way, with Corey Turner? Like, wasn't it sensational? Seriously. It, like, we should give God a, a round of applause because of his, Corey's ministry. I actually think we're so blessed as a house sometimes, the people that come through and speak into our hearts and our lives. And Corey's just so down to earth. I really enjoyed his ministry. And, and I don't know where every one of you's at, but because of my role, I get to know people. And, and you learn what people are going through, you know, their good times and bad, as much as they'll share. And when you've got someone like Corey and he starts praying for people and you just think, oh my God, who told him that? How did he know that? How did he know to pray? You just, you just stand back and think, oh my goodness, I don't want to get too close. He might find out stuff about me. You know, <laughs> like it's just so sensational how wonderful and loving our God is, yeah? So I loved, I loved the ministry with him. And, and I want to, and I need to, even from a leadership perspective, say to all those last week that served, that were selling books, making coffee, greeting at the door, the worship team that were up here during all of his ministry time that probably would have loved to have just to put down an instrument and come and receive some prayer themselves. I want to say thank you. Like, thank you. Thank you for the sacrifice that you made so that the atmosphere could be created to allow a man of God to minister to the children of God. Yeah? I, I, I love it. I just love it. I, I think of those that were, I mean, I know Shine didn't, wasn't on last week, but the guys in Little Stars were there. But, you know, even when you're serving and you feel like you miss out, and sometimes in ourselves we feel like we miss out, you're never missing out. You're actually not missing out when you serve the Lord. It says in Matthew 10, um, verse 41, it says, If you receive a prophet as one who speaks for God, you'll be given the same reward as a prophet. And if you receive righteous people because of their righteousness, you will be given a reward like theirs. And if you give even a cup of cold water to one of the least of my followers, you will surely be rewarded. What that's saying is when you sacrifice like that and you feel like that you've, you've missed out, you're about to share in the reward. Because you've received them as a prophet. You've received them as a man and woman of God. You've received them as a follower of Jesus. And you've stepped out and you've blessed them. Even a cup of cold water won't go unrewarded. You haven't missed out. That's why serving in church and serving in the community, that's why that's part of the intimacy with God, building your intimacy with Him. Because you're still sharing in stuff. So I learned at a really early age in my faith, if, if I was with a man of God, I worked at a, a mission organisation for three and a half years, uh, three years on the dot, I think, with Jossie Charco. Some of you know the name, some of you don't. It doesn't matter. Planted over 16,000 churches at this stage through North India and Nepal. Just got invited to speak at GLS, the Global Leadership Summit, with Bill Hybels. Like, what an honour for him to do that. You know what? Those that are serving alongside him will share in that reward, you know? We've got to understand it's, it's a principle of our God. It's not one of those things that you go, oh, that sounds good. No, it's a principle of God. He's a good, good God. So thank you for all those that sacrificed. And 
of late, God's just had me on a journey and more and more and more and more and more and more. Like I spoke a couple of weeks ago, I am convinced that we are meant to be a family, that we journey as a family, act as a family, love as a family, that we are supposed to be family, you and I. And, and I would go as far as to say that it's, it's my heart's cry that, that Mount Clear Church of Christ would not only resemble but embody what God desires as his family. Yeah? And a couple of weeks ago, I, I shared a scripture. It was 1 Timothy 3.15 and it was the God's Word version that I loved because I'm believing that as a church, there'll be men and women of all nations, tribes, sizes, colours, a stack of different people that are going to walk into this place and they're going to feel loved. Do you understand loved? Not judged, but loved. They're going to walk into this place and there's going to be a sense of belonging. Like I'm, I'm saying, you know when you walk into your home, you've been away, you've been on a business trip, you've been on holidays, and you walk into your house and you know that it's your bed, your mattress, your pillow that's waiting for you. Your coffee machine, yeah? And you have that sense of, I'm home. Because it's your place of belonging. I'm believing that this place will be, a, will be a house that people will walk in and they'll have that sense of belonging from the outset. Regardless of what they look like, yeah? Regardless of what they're wearing. Regardless of where they've come from or where they're going to go. But when they walk in here, there's going to be a sense of family and belonging, amen? Because you and I are family. That scripture in 1 Timothy, in case I'm delayed, I want you to know how people who are members of God's family must live. God's family is the church of the living God. Not could be, might be, should be. Is, it is, we are. We are. God's family is the church of the living God, the pillar and the foundation of truth. Man, what a responsibility just there, the pillar and foundation of truth. We are. We, the church, are his family, born into it, born again. means you've been made brand new. Maybe in your old life you were really sucky, but now God's made you brand new. In my old life, maybe people didn't like me. There's probably still some that don't, but now I'm brand new. Yeah? Come on. There's a sense of belonging. So much so that God adopts you into his family. So even when you want to walk away from him, and you can, Hebrews is clear, Hebrews 6 is clear. Those who come to the knowledge of the Father, but walk away having tasted his goodness. It's got nothing to do with God. It's got everything to do with them. God's adopted us so that he can say to us, I will never disown you. You know, we're part of his family. The person next to you, behind you. Your children, your mum, your dad, those that, that are part of his family, you're stuck with us forever. Yeah? We should put a smile on your dial for some of you. That's why, that's why the writer of Hebrews can say in, in, in chapter 13, verse 5, don't love money, be satisfied with what you, what you have. For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. He's never going to leave you. You could muck up. In the western suburbs, we would say, stuff up. You can do all of that, but he will not abandon you. 
He's there all the time. In the same way that parents, and again, I'm speaking generally, okay, in a good, healthy family, because God's giving us the picture of what he desires, the ideal. This is what he wants. And in a good family, our kids can stuff up, but we're still there for them. Yeah, they may hurt themselves. They may steal money out of the wallet that's hidden in the kitchen, you know, in the top cupboard that saved to pay the milkman that used to deliver milk so that they could go and buy Milky Ways or play on the pinball machine. Yet mums and dads will still love children like that, yeah? But no one else has got kids like that or been a child like that. I know it's just me and that's why I'm reaping it now, yeah? <laughs> he will never walk away from us. That's why he adopted us, so that we could be his family. Like, you've got to get a hold of this because there's something so beautiful inside these words, you know. John 17.22 says, I've given them the glory you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. See, you've got the Father and you've got the Son and the Father places his glory on the Son and he says, I'm doing that so we can be one. And then Jesus goes on to say, now I'm going to give that glory to you, to me. Why? So that we can be one. So if you're a born-again Christian, a believer that said yes to Jesus, I'm going to follow you. He's given you his glory so that we can be one. Yeah. If you struggle with me, bad luck. Oh, we're one. If you don't like the person who sits over there, you're one. If you don't like the person who sits over there, you're one. If you don't like the person who makes the coffee, we're one. We're one. That's, that's God's plan. It's his desire for us to be family. And just to remind you of what I said two weeks ago, family is not something that we go to. Family is something that we belong to. Belong to. There needs to be a place of belonging for us. You know, we belong to the church. We can't be separated from it. We've, born, we've been born into it, adopted so that we could be united. His family Daddy's family. Who knows um, Renee Brown, the researcher? Anyone watched her on some of the TED Talks? She's got some phenomenal stuff, particularly her stuff on vulnerability and, and connectedness. And she did research. It took her 10 years, 10 years to do research. And that research on vulnerability and connectedness, do you know what she found? after interviewing thousands upon thousands of people from all walks of life in different nations. Do you know what she found? She found that inherent inside of each and every one of us, regardless of where we're from, what background, upbringing, status, regardless of anything inside of us, in every human being, there is a core need to be connected. It took her 10 years to work that out. God told us at the beginning, but she's worked it out. She's done the research. And, and it, went, it actually went so, 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 so deep that she actually said, inside everyone there's a need, an inner need to belong. A need to belong inside of every human being. Why do people join clubs? Why do they join a footy club? They start off playing football there and then they go to every function. They hang out, they do the pie nights, the fundraisers, the footy trips, there's a need to belong. You know, why, why do women get together with their quilting groups? Just because they like to quilt? No, because there's a need to belong, to be part of something. Inside us all, there's a need to belong. 
You see, you and I were never created to walk alone. We weren't meant to be individuals. We're just not created that way. We're not created to be hermits. There are some that are gifted, the Bible says, yeah, to walk alone. But that is a specific gift from God and calling from God for them. The rest of humanity, we're meant to be connected. We're meant to feel like we belong somewhere. You know, um, I knew his message last week. I just loved it. It was so good. Wow, her message was so good last week. And she, she was sharing, for those of you that weren't here, I'd say get it on tape, but we don't do tape. I'd say get it on CD, but it's not on CD. So I would say speak to a new here and ask her. But what she said was there was the tomb, the funeral procession, you know. And as the funeral procession was, was coming along, Jesus and his followers are coming the other way. And when it got to Jesus, it stopped. And we automatically think it stops so Jesus could pray. For the dead boy, for the dead person, yeah. But she had a revelation and she said, no, no, the funeral procession stopped because no death can walk past the resurrection power of Jesus. No death can walk past the resurrection power of Jesus. And then she fleshed it out and she dug a bit deeper and she actually went as far as to say, and you and I who have accepted him have that resurrection power flowing through our veins. So no death, no sickness, no negativity, none of that stuff can walk past us because the resurrection power is in us. Now that requires you to know where you sit, whether you've, you're a sinner saved by grace, ba-bow, or if you realise that you were a sinner and now you're sitting in, on the throne in heavenly places, a son and daughter of the living God, when you know who you are, that authority flows out of that place. So she shared that, yeah? Now, have you ever asked yourself the question why Jesus was buried in a tomb alone? Now, for you theologians, you're going to say it's because it's to fulfill Scripture because it needed to be cut out of a rock. Why was he buried in a tomb alone so you and I never have to be alone? So that we don't track alone, we don't journey alone, we don't live alone. Because when we've got the resurrected power of Jesus inside us, we can't be alone. When they rolled us, this is really good revelation. You guys need to get some, I don't know, maybe some Barocca or, or, or something. <laughs> But when they rolled the stone away, he wasn't there because the resurrected power of Jesus can't abide alone. What did he do? He presented himself. He was with the two Marys and he went with the disciples. You and I are created for family. God placed him in a tomb by himself so we would never have to be by ourselves. So then we say yes to Jesus. He takes us all straight away automatically and he places us with family, a place of belonging. Why do people keep putting themselves in the tomb by themselves? He took all of our sin, all of our shame, all of our iniquities. He took it all, not some of it. Man, didn't Scott say it perfectly? He took it all. All of that toothpaste was squeezed out of that tube. He didn't leave some of it in there so that he could say later, ha ha, you thought I got it all, I didn't. It's not like that. He took it all, he squeezed it all out. But we, treat, we try, like Scott's example, to pick it up 
and put it back inside. But God's taken it all. He's taken all of it. He was buried alone so we don't have to be alone. He was Messiah. He was the Messiah. And he was buried alone. The King of all kings and the Lord of all lords, our Saviour, our King and our God. And he was buried alone. Had a beautiful tomb to himself, but buried alone. Most families today, most couples today try to be buried together. Sometimes you walk through different cemeteries and you see plaques that are on their own. There's no other family names, there's nothing else there. You can't help but wonder, wow, what sort of life did that person have? He was Messiah and he was buried alone so that we don't have to be alone because we're family and we belong. We belong in his family. He's a really good God. (laughs) He appeared to those that he was in covenant with, family, You know, the world around us, us included, encourage independence. We encourage our kids to be independent, not to be dependent upon us. Go out there and make something of yourself. And that's all great and that's all good. But we've got to unlearn that stuff because the kingdom doesn't work like that. The world works like that. But the kingdom of God doesn't work like... The kingdom of God works like this. Be dependent on me. Doesn't he say that? I'm there. I'm your saviour. I'm your king. I will walk with you and talk with you and counsel you. I'm actually... I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit to make sure you're never alone. Be dependent on me. Corey Turner said, we've got to get to the end of ourselves so we can be dependent on him. I want to go a step further and say sometimes we need to get to the end of ourselves so that we can let others in and we can depend on the family that we belong to that God has placed us in because some of the things that he wants to share with you are going to come from the person behind you and the person beside you and that's God speaking to them, through them, for those around them. That includes you and me, amen? You know, family is important to God. Uh, Leif Hetland at the conference that I was at on the weekend said he feels that the next move of God, he just finished speaking two weeks at Planet Shakers, which is unreal because if you know the message that he brings, it just in the context is really quite extraordinary. He goes, the next move of God is not going to be from the children or the youth or the young adults. The next move of God's not coming from there. The next move of God is coming through family. And he goes, so it's important that we understand family. And I'm sitting there going, I've been t- this is what God's talking to me about. Awesome. You're on the same page. You must have listened to my podcast. No, I didn't say that. But, you know, there was some excitement that we were on the same page, you know. The next move of God is not going to be the youth. The next move of God is the family movement, he called it. The family movement. So I'm thinking about family. I've got all this stuff 
that God's bouncing around about family. And then he brings me across another scripture like the one a few weeks ago that I just thought, what? Are you serious, God? What am I supposed to do with that? So he takes me to, you ready? Psalm 1.1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. Well, that's really nice, God. Thank you for sharing that scripture with me. I'm glad. Let me just write wow on the page and I'll keep reading. That scripture has been in my head, on my heart, in my thoughts since finishing speaking two weeks ago and I can't shake it. And all I know is I'm thinking about family and then he leads me here. And it's a really tough scripture because I've seen it abused. I've seen it totally abused. I have seen people share it and then go away and cut off family because their family aren't believers. So they cut them off because we can't walk with sinners or sit with mockers. But the passage doesn't mean that. It does and it doesn't. See, what it's saying is don't walk the same way as the wicked. Don't walk the same way. Don't walk the same way. Don't get their counsel and do it their way. Don't do it like that. Don't go down the same path that they go down. See, God's got a better path. Yeah? He's got a better idea. The best ideas of man. Do you really think that our God who created and stretched the universes, do you really believe that our God doesn't have a better plan, better purpose, better idea than what the best of men have come up with? Seriously, our God. If someone is walking without him, comes up with a brilliant idea, I'm telling you, the person that is able to sit with him will have a better one. Because he's a good, good father. That's how he operates. That's that passage of Scripture saying, don't make those people your friends and companions that you're going to hang out with for life. Don't do it. So you, then you ask yourself, well, who are the wicked? It's really quiet here right now. Well, if you want to know who the wicked are, look to the... Per- no, no, I'm joking. Um, the wicked are those that don't know Papa God. The wicked are those that don't know Daddy. The wicked are those that have not said yes to Jesus and have him in your heart. Now, in God's eyes, they're wicked because they don't love his son and they don't love him. It doesn't mean that we ostracize them or cut them off. But it does mean if we're going by his word, we don't spend our lives hanging out with them. Yeah? Let me keep going and see if I can put some context here because some of you are thinking, what? Why don't you? Spend time with those people because it, it'll rub off on you. It'll rub off on you. It'll rub off on you. You may not be a smoker, but you go to a location where they smoke and I guarantee you by the time you get home, you will smell like a smoker. It will rub off on you. It'll just rub off on you. So if you're wanting to be a really good Christian, and not in what you do, but in your heart, and you're spending time with people that don't love God, you're probably going to limit yourself a touch, yeah? Because it's going to rub off on you. 
it's hard because in that, in that context, some of those people are good friends, some of those people are family. But he's not saying don't have coffee with them. He's not saying don't celebrate birthdays with them. He's not saying don't spend time with them. But what he's, he's saying is don't make it, don't make them your best buddies and pals that you're spending all of your time with them. God calls us to go out into the highways and byways. He calls us to go out into the highways and the hedges. Yeah? Matthew 28 says, now go and make disciples of all nations. So we have to go to where the people don't know him, to where the wicked are, so to speak. That's our life's goal, to bring people into the kingdom of God so they can sit on the throne with him. But even Jesus, who was spent his time with sinners and tax collectors, when he needed rest, when he needed refreshment, what did he do? He spent time with family. He spent time with the disciples. He spent time with those he was in covenant with. Are you seeing this? We all have the need to be connected, each and every one of us, all of us, regardless of how old or young we are or how independent we are. We all have a need to be connected. And the truth is, if we don't feel like we belong to his family, then we're going to connect ourselves in all the wrong places with all the wrong people. It's really tough, isn't it? Who's ever seen someone they know and thought to themselves, why are they hanging out with those people? Anyone ever thought that? You know, you see an old friend, you see somebody, you know, you just have a look and you think, why? why are they doing that? Why are they there? Why are they spending time? That's not good for them. Oh, that's, oh, no, that'll be, they'll go backwards. Because inside every one of us, there's a need to connect. And if we don't find that place where we belong, we will connect ourselves to all the wrong people in all the wrong places. Because there's an inner desire to be connected with others. See, the problem exists for us as his children that we connect ourselves with the wrong hearts or we isolate ourselves because of shame and eventually offence. You know, because covenant, covenant's a, a really special thing. That's why Banning says, nothing destroys a power of shame or offence like choosing to move towards community. Because in community, there's covenant. So what that scripture in Psalms doesn't say, it says this, blessed is the one who walks with the righteous and gets their counsel from them. <laughs> blessed is the one who stands in the way that the family takes. Blessed is the one that sits amongst the community of believers. That's what it says, but what it doesn't say. We are family. You and I are family. That's how we were created. And the truth be known, nothing happens outside of family. You know, why else do you think we call him father? You know? We call him father. Hello, father. What? Must be family. Call him mother if you like. Still family. Call Jesus our brother. Family. But I don't like this family. Well, the issue's not father, mother or brother. I want to suggest maybe the issue comes back to the person that doesn't like family. (laughs) 
for family to happen. Things have to happen in us and through us for that to be a reality. Like it just does. This is where it gets really good. This is where you guys are going to start smiling and thinking, yes. See, one of the things that Brene Brown said was, and even just before I go there, to live as a church family in the true purpose that God has designed requires two things, vulnerability and courage. Vulnerability and courage. There are, now this is just commentary. I'm adding just commentary. There are churches everywhere that are in community, but there is no vulnerability and no courage. And if there's no vulnerability and no courage, there's no covenant. And that's why you have people that move from place to place to place. I'm not talking a season. I'm talking people that move from place to place to place to place to place to place because they have not made covenant where they're at. Yeah? You get people that will visit us because they want to get from us what we experience here as a family. You get people that go to Planet Shakers that want to get from Planet Shakers what they're experiencing as a family. But it doesn't work as easy as that because there's a covenant that's happening. So let me see if I can flesh this out a bit. Brene Brown said, Courage is a heart word. The root of the word courage is core, the Latin word for heart. In one of its earliest forms, the word courage meant to speak one's mind by telling all one's heart. Yeah? You getting this? For those of you that are introverts and don't like sharing anything, oh, man, we're going to pray. Over time, this definition has changed, and today we typically associate courage with heroic and brave deeds. But in my opinion, she says, this definition fails to recognise the inner strength and level of commitment required for us to actually speak honestly and openly about who we are and about our experiences, good and bad. Speaking from our hearts, this is what I think of as ordinary courage. So for you and I to embrace what Papa God has for us, each and every one of us requires vulnerability and requires courage. But it's whether you're willing to step into it and want to step into it. Because it's to speak one's mind by telling one's heart. It's to live out the truth. It's to be totally open and honest and transparent. So our, our vision as a church is to engage with God, his church and his people. Yeah, That's the vision of Mount Clear Church. That means as we get with him, as we learn from him, we, we would then get with and share with one another what God's sharing with us and we'll share it with each other because I'm engaging with God, I'm experiencing his love and I want to share it with you, you're getting the same and we start to do that amongst ourselves and as we do that together, yeah, this, from this place of family and belonging and strength, we then take what we're learning from him and we go out into the community. That's the vision for the church. But... Are we able and will we really be vulnerable? Will we allow this courage, this courage to, to flow? See, some of us have spoken to people in the church and some of us still don't know other people in the church and we're not all that big as a church. I understand if we had 6,000 or 1,000 people, but we should know each other. We really should. So when somebody comes in, they just feel this connectedness inside the house. Because we're living from a place of courage where we share from one's whole heart, yeah? How else do you get to know someone's pain, someone's joys, someone's victory, someone's 
struggles. How else do you get to pray for them unless someone's sharing because they're comfortable with you, because they know that they're in a safe place and they belong? I love it when the scripture says, how will they know if you're my disciples but the way that you love one another? You know, in her research, Renee Brown says, she says this really vulnerably. So, sorry, I can't think of another word, but she says, I have a vulnerability issue. And I know that vulnerability is kind of the core of shame and fear and our struggle with worthiness. I guarantee you, most people that leave church for unhappy reasons, not good reasons, those that leave for unhappy reasons, are leaving because of shame, fear, and deep down inside a feeling of unworthiness. And then she goes on and says, but it appears, so vulnerability, but it appears it is also the birthplace of joy, creativity, of belonging and love. You're going to love that. So where does joy come from? The joy of the Lord is our strength. She says, it's the birthplace of creativity. Who's the creator? And what did he do? He created us. And then she says, it's the birthplace of love. Who is love? God's love. No wonder at the end of her 10 years of her research into connectedness, she actually becomes a Christian. She gives her heart to Jesus because it's evident, it's obvious. Man, that's awesome. To speak one's mind by telling all one's heart vulnerability. Our main mandate, God spoke to me at the conference, our mandate as a church, we've got our vision, but our mandate as a church is to experience the love of God, whose we are, that we gain our value from him and not what we do. Yeah, We know that. We've been teaching that. We've taught it for two years now. But you know what I've realised my struggle is? I don't see myself the way God sees me. And so if that's my struggle, I want to suggest it's your struggle too for some of you. You understand how God sees you? You've heard it. We've taught it. We've seen it. We've read it. But deep down inside in those dark moments, those alone moments, you question yourself. You doubt yourself. You doubt the next move of God in your life because you don't yet see yourself in his eyes. And our mandate as a church is to grab hold of this love that God has for us, yeah? For each and every one of us, regardless of where we've come from. And then to get it from our, heart, from our heads to our hearts so that we start to see ourselves in the same light. And then when we do that, then we take that out there. We take that reality out there. And it's that love, not what's here but what's now sinking deep down inside of our hearts that will change a nation and will set churches on fire. That's why people will walk into the place and be healed because God's love's flowing fresh because now we start to see ourselves the way he does. We know we're a son and daughter of God. We know that we're seated in, seated in heavenly places, citizens of heaven, ambassadors. We know that. But deep down alone, we struggle with that. And God wants to shift that in us here at this church. He wants to shift that in us here at this church. See, when we know how much he loves us, it doesn't matter how much money's in the bank. When we know and see ourselves the way he sees us, it doesn't matter what other people think. It doesn't matter whether we're successful or unsuccessful. It doesn't matter. Because I know that I'm loved and, and now I'm actually starting to see myself that way. Totally loved. The Bible talks about he's the pearl of great price. We would do anything to get that pearl. 
The pearl of great price for God is you. It's you, Jess. It's you, Matt. It's you, Ollie. It's you. The pearl of great price is you. So he sent his son to die on a cross just so that he could have a relationship with you to tell you how much he loves you. To no matter how bad your week's going, how bad you feel, whatever pain that you're in, to say, hey, I'm there with you. You're my son, you're my daughter, you're the apple of my eye. In fact, you're so important to me, I, I, I'm going to kill my son to get you. The mandate of our church is to take that love. See, but that love, that love costs. To understand and see yourself the way God does requires a revelation. I'm going to play a video and I want to show you the revelation that this person got. I want you to watch intently at the face while you listen to the words. If we could have the lights, Stephen, too, please. Good Father, it's who you are, it's who you are, it's who you are, and I'm loved by you, it's who I am, it's who I am, it's who I am, you are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways to us. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. I'm loved by you, to who I am, to who I am, to who I am. My good, good father, it's who you are, it's who you are, it's who you are. Look at the revelation, and it sinks into the soul. It's who I am. It's who I am. You're a good father. It's who I am. And I'm loved you by you. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. To You're a good, good father. To Thanks, Barry. That revelation. That child is not crying or screaming. In fact, at the beginning, smiling. And as those words, you're a good, good father. You're perfect in all of your ways. And I'm loved by you. That's who I am. I'm the person who is loved by you. Tears start to well up in the eyes because there's a soul that's just received the revelation from heaven, from the King of Kings, how much they are loved.
See, our mandate as a church is to take that understanding and to share it out there. But requires covenant. When Judas, when Judas betrayed Jesus, I listened to a message and I love it, Chris Valentin. When Judas betrayed Jesus, just prior to that, they were at the Last Supper. And Jesus said, hey, here's my body, you know, broken. Do this in memory of me. Then he took the wine. Here's my blood. Do this. In he's creating a covenant. He's actually creating a covenant with us, yeah? It actually says it right through Matthew 26. Because as they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. Then he broke it in pieces, gave it to the disciples. And the, and the scripture goes on. And then right at verse 27, halfway through, it says, Each of you drink from it, for this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. So Jesus is making a covenant. When you're in family, when we're together as a church family, God's people, we are in covenant together. But the next part of that chapter in Matthew 26 is when they go to pray. It's when Judas is about to portray Jesus. So they're praying and the scripture says that they see Judas coming with some soldiers. Yeah. So Judas was there at the supper, but he wasn't there in the praying. And Chris Valentin says, do you know why? He says, because he wanted the intimacy with Jesus, but not the covenant. And so he left during the covenant. Do you know why people leave churches unhappy? Because they want the intimacy. Hear my heart. Please hear my heart. They want the intimacy of the house, but they don't want the covenant. They don't want the covenant because that cost them. The covenant cost them. It actually cost them something. My brother and I, we're best friends. But growing up, we would fight with each other and I would win and we would fight with each other and I would win and we would fight with each other and I would win. You're getting the picture? So we would fight. I remember picking him up once and throwing him over the hedge fence that we had. Like, I was slightly angry as a kid. But if anyone said anything to him or anything, anyone said anything to me, we were ready to go to bat for each other because we were family. It was an unseen code. It was an unseen covenant. I couldn't dismiss him, throw him away. He was my sibling, my brother. I was his brother no matter how awful I was to him. We don't just push family aside because we're in covenant together. We're in covenant together. You and I are in covenant together. The people beside you, behind you, around you, those that aren't here are in covenant together. The reason some people go to different churches to get what they've got and come away and don't pick up what they have is because they want the intimacy but not the covenant. If you want to get what a house has got, you have to make covenant with it as well. You can't plant yourself in two or three or 27 places. It's about covenant. Oh, you've got to get this because as a house, this is where God's taking us. This is what he's doing in our family. People are going to come in and they're going to feel like they belong in this place. Covenant may cost us because there's a responsibility. There's a bond that brings us together. But covenant's something so beautiful. There's a story in Numbers. Numbers 11 where 
the Lord comes down in, in a cloud and speaks to Moses. And then he gave the 70 elders the same spirit that was upon, the, the, upon Moses to the elders. And that spirit rested upon them and they prophesied. Yeah? Now the scripture actually says that there were two men, um, terrible names, Eldad and Medad. True. And they didn't go up to the camp with the other, the other elders. So Eldad and Medad weren't there. They were part of the eldership. They're part of the covenant of that eldership, but they weren't with them. And when the cloud came and spoke to Moses, and then the spirit came and rested upon the elders, it, the scripture actually says that it also rested upon them, even though they weren't there. It says, two men, Eldad and Medad. This is verse 26 in Numbers 11. Had stayed behind in the camp. They were listed among the elders, but they'd not gone out to the tabernacle. Yet the spirit rested upon them as well. So they prophesied there in the camp. A young man ran and reported to Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. Joshua, son of Nun, who had been with Moses, assisted since his youth, protested, Moses, my master, make them stop. But Moses replied, are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets so that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. The point is that they were in covenant. They were in covenant. They were in community. They were in family. When you make covenant, when you decide that this is your house, when you decide that this is your home, there are times and moments where you may not be here, but there'll be a blessing that's happening in the house. The spirit of God's moving and you're going to receive it where you're at. You've got to understand how this works. So you can't limit God to the four walls of the church. But when you're in covenant, and you know when you're in covenant, you know when you belong, you know when this is your house, because it's a really simple, simple question. If someone was to ask you, is Mount Clear your church? You would say yes, or you'd say, oh, that's where I go. You know within your heart of hearts whether you're in covenant with the place that you come to. I've got friends through Ballarat, the beautiful people that love God and want to see him move. And at the moment, they go from a couple of different churches, they all sit in different places because they want to see the Spirit of God move in a lot of different places, but they're in covenant with none, with none. And so they will see him move in none. They won't receive what he has in those houses that he's going to because they're not making covenant with them. See, when we're family... My blessing is your blessing. Your blessing is my blessing. My healing is your healing. When we were at the conference on Thursday, Sally and I, um, it was during, during the, the, right at the end, uh, Bill Johnson was praying for people and he was calling out particular sickness. And so he called out hip, was hip. Um, he said someone with a left knee, you know, they've got a sporting injury. And the voice in my head was very clear. He goes, that's you. Um, I've seen lots of things in God and with God. I've seen God heal many people. I've had gold dust on my hands that I still don't understand. But I don't think I've ever had a physical healing myself. Had many things prayed for, believed for, but not seen. So he calls out left knee, 
sporting injury and this voice in my head says, that's you. So I sheepishly go, hiding, you know, because I know what's coming. They're going to pray. They're going to get the people around us to pray. And then the people are going to say, so how does it feel now? Well, on a scale of one to five, it started as a six. Now it's a six. <laughs> I know what's coming. I know what they're going to ask. I don't want to be in that position because I've been there before. It's like, yeah, look. Oh, they got healed over there. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let's ask them. Yeah, that's great. And my knee gets prayed for and there was no heat, but it felt like my kneecap was sweating. Who knows that that's not a normal place to sweat from. Yeah? Yeah? Like, seriously, I'm sure the glands are behind the knees, but anyway. Like, it felt like I was sweating. And then it, while they're praying, I'm going, wow, there's just no pain here. Like, I'm moving my knee. Just from indoor soccer, I can't, I can't kick, you know? If I, if I kick the pressure back, then I feel the pain in my knee. So the lady that was with us where Mel's preaching today, Kaz had her bag, and I said, I need something to kick. So she puts it on the floor. She goes, kick my handbag. I go, all right. So I kicked her handbag. I go, but it's not right. I need a ball. I need something. But so what she did, she swung it. And as she swung it, I kicked. And I had fear. I saw the, the bag coming. I had my leg. I was like, oh, there's no pain. Hey, God, I think my knee got healed. Like, I think I, think I got healed. Well, at the same time, um, Fiona from church and then also Erin, uh, a friend of Sally's, was praying for her hip back. Yeah, and you said their hands were as hot as, hot as, hot as, hot, yeah? Sally was a little bit different. She goes, I felt like I, felt like I was healed, the pain was gone. Um, just to embarrass Sally, she sent me a text last night. She goes, I got healed. She goes, I didn't want to say anything just in case. So she's, so she's been holding on for a couple of days to make sure the pain didn't come back. Stuff happens when you're in covenant with people and with a place, Yeah? Because we are God's family. We were there. We were there to receive. We were on the same page. We were in covenant with them. Anyone say anything bad about stairway? I'll go to bat. Come on, let's do it, you know? I probably have a bat. Anyway, um, <laughs> but because we're in covenant with them, because we trust them and love them, what was on them was then on us, yeah? But there has to be a place where we, we just say, yes, that's me. Where do you go to church? Oh, my home church is Mount Clear. That's where I go. Love it. It's awesome. You talk it up because you're in covenant. It's your home. It's a place where you belong. And you will be restless in your spirit until you find the place that you belong. You'll be restless while you sit here, come here, until you decide it's a place where you belong. It's not to say that you won't have struggles. You know, we'll all have struggles, but they won't have us running out the door because we're in covenant together. You know, it'll be like, really, Dave? Yeah, I don't. I hear what you're saying. I don't see Dave like that. He's he's my friend. He's my buddy. He's our jovial man of God. You know, I've got his back. See, God loves each and every one of us. He just does. He loves us. <laughs> if you could 
see, grab hold of how much God loves you, how he sees you. That you haven't failed anywhere. He's given you the stamp of approval from the very beginning. Like you are, you are gold to him. You are like that pearl, the most precious diamond. He loves you. He just needs and wants you to see yourself the same way. Because when you see yourself the same way, and you go up and you give someone a handshake, or you hug someone and you say hello, that love just flows. And even there, there's a connection and a sense of belonging that you won't find anywhere else. He's a good, good father all the time. He just wants us to love him and to love each other, to be in covenant, to walk in that resurrection power. (laughs) Because Alan, God loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And you need to see yourself the way God sees you. Dearly love. And grace, you too. God loves you. We have our peaks and troughs, yeah, we were joking about before. But God loves you. Someone put it really well on the weekend. If you had God's report card, if God had your report card, it would be stamped A+. plus. He loves you. There's nothing that he sees wrong with you. He looks at you and he has nothing but affection for you. He sees you as perfect. He sees what you do. He sees your creativity. He, see, he sees you in life and he loves you. He's pleased with you. Some of us just have trouble seeing it. Fabio, his affection for you is beyond measure. Do you understand? Beyond measure. And regardless of where you find yourself at at the moment, when you look to the Father and you look at yourself in that mirror, you need to see yourself the way God does, with a love that's beyond measure. His son that he's proud of that belongs and is part of his family. Because you're precious to him. You know, Nick, you've been travelling with your back for so long. I don't have your back pain and I'm bloody tired of it. Excuse the swearing. Like, I'm just over it. But I'm believing there's a healing coming for you. And I know it's hard to hold on to when we don't see it. Because we've had the prayer after prayer after prayer after prayer. Man, but you're the apple of his eye. And you are loved by him, even when your back is in excruciating pain. And when you're laid out and you can't move and you're wondering why, God still looks at you and loves you. And he wants you to know that. He wants you to to see yourself in the same way. He's a good, good father. And we're loved by him. That's who we are. Yeah? It's nothing else. 
Cyril, you know God loves you. <laughs> you so know God loves you. I just want us to stand. I've ranted and raved. <laughs> God wants us to be in covenant together. <laughs> So that when Sally receives a blessing and a healing, you may not have been there, but there's a reward, there's a blessing coming for you too. Yeah? There's a story of the prophet Bob Jones who was going, was somewhere. The Spirit of God came upon him. And his wife was like, let's just say, interstate driving a car. And as the Spirit came upon him at the very same time, the Spirit came upon her and she had to pull over. See, they just happened to be in covenant as a husband and wife. But what was for one was for the other. It's like Eldad and Medad. They weren't part of the El. They didn't go down with the elders. They thought they'd played hooky. But God's Spirit was going to fall on them just the same because they were in covenant. God wants us to be in covenant so that we can share with each other's blessings. So when we hear from him, it's not just for us, but we hold on to the key that's the breakthrough for the person next to us. And that's what we're going to take out. That's what we're going to share. That's what people will come to us for. That's why people will ask someone like Mel to speak somewhere so she can share the revelation that we saw in that baby's face. Yeah? It's a really good, healthy message. I know I've been everywhere but you've just got to sit on that just for a minute. And maybe if we pray, I think we might... I want to finish with a song. What do you think, Ben? Yeah. Can we do good, good father? Can we do it? And I want us just to sing these words. But as you do that, can I ask, however you place yourself in the presence of God, whether it's by raising your hands or closing your eyes or bowing your head, whether it's kneeling or laying prostrate, I give you permission to be completely free in the way that you connect with God so that you can picture the words washing over you, so that you can claim and redeem the words, yeah? that you're loved, loved by him. And that's who you are. Yeah? Let's just quickly pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in the house. But more importantly, I thank you for what you're doing in our hearts and in our spirit. And Father, we pray that you would continue to bless each and every person abundantly. Father, that the revelation and illumination of your truth, God, would be so evident that we'll walk away from this place and as we think about you, Lord, Lord, there would be a, a, just a, a river of emotion that would flow through us as we experience, Father, this love, this love, 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 this grace that comes from you. Lord, you are a good, good Father. Lord, and Lord, we are loved by you. And Father, you are perfect in all of your ways. Lord, and we are your family. <laughs> Mount Clear Church family. Lord, we are yours. And everybody said, Amen.